tell me what you're doing in the UK. Are you actually, are you allowed to tell me what you're doing in the UK? Is it under, is it under wraps at the moment? No, no, no. I'm here, I'm here for Velo McLaren and it's an event that um, a company Velo is sponsoring with uh, collaboration with McLaren at their facility to basically teach us like what their drivers go through. Right. And also it was an opportunity to go learn about McLaren history and go see the headquarters. So, you know, detail wise, I'm not exactly sure like what the, the, the complete program will be. I'm sure some of it is the surprises, but it's also to engage with, you know, the, the, uh, the instructors there, you know, meet some of the, some of the professionals and the experts that are behind McLaren and, you know, go through kind of like a like a a, a a micro version of their training. I hope that's what it is. You know, so I think that's yeah, what. That sounds good. Yeah, I mean, I think so, you know me because you were telling me you did some research and you saw what they did. I mean, what do you think I'm going to be doing? <laughs> I think I think they're going to give you a bit of training, and then mm -hmm. I think you're going to go up against someone, maybe, maybe um, like a YouTuber, maybe yeah. a YouTuber, someone else in in the space. I think uh, last time, who was it? It was um, Supercar Blondie. Well, the one I've seen was Supercar Blondie versus Craig David. And mm -hmm. they had two racing sim racing setups and it, they had a race basically. So I think you're gonna get a bit of training and then it'll be competition time. Right, in the simulator, right? Yes, exactly, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully you'll get a go in the car as well. <laughs> well, I, I hope so if the weather's okay, hopefully they get us, they let us go outside. Yeah. Yeah, it's cold at the moment. It's cold yeah. for tires. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, so so when when are we doing that? You've got that on the eighteenth. Yeah. But actually, in the couple of weeks leading up to this, you've you've had quite the the car given to you by by another British company. Mm. Tell me more about that. Tell uh, me about that. Oh uh, well, because of you, I got the opportunity to drive the uh, the Lotus Evora GT, and. You know, my, my experience with Lotus prior to the Evora, you know, I did have a, a little prejudice against it because of the size. And I'm not into just like raw, you know, track cars, right? Like, you know, there, I do need some creature comforts and I have to feel like, you know, I can control the car and I can enjoy it. And it's like, you know, I can daily it. The, you know, the least, at least the car I drove, the Lotus Elise, didn't feel like that. It felt like a little coffin. You know, like it was ready to like take me out. And um, when I got the opportunity to see the bar, I did have a prejudice going into it. I said, I probably won't like this car, but right away, Alex, like I fell in love with this car. I, I, I it's, I don't know how to explain it. You know, it kind of made me inspired because it, it, it did mirror in a way all the positive things I see that are happening in society. You know, we're so focused on all this negative news and this divisiveness. You know, through this Evora, I saw collaboration. I saw, you know, different countries coming together, bringing the best innovation they have and celebrating into a special, special car. You know, the fact that it has a Toyota Camry engine that's also used in the Sienna, that look, no, you can you can say what you want about a Camry, but everyone agrees 
it's a reliable car. You know, it's the backbone of middle America and families. It gets families from A to B, right? And no one's had bad experiences with cameras. At least I've never had, or I've never heard about them, right? Um, and the fact that they use this, you know, proven, you know, motor that is part of like, you know, just middle-class America into this hyper supercar. To me, I was like, wow, man, there's no ego there. There's no pretentiousness. They just went to get the best. You know, and I was like, that's beautiful. And then going through the car, you know, I did watch other YouTubers or, you know, other YouTube videos. And so, you know, just to educate. And the thing that, you know, I really responded to being a kid from the 80s and 90s is the aftermarket Alpine stereo. The fact that they put this Alpine stereo in where I used to put Alpine stickers on my car where I didn't even have a stereo because it was aspirational. And the fact that we put this in there and not only is it Alpine, it's perfect. It's just what you need because in that car, you don't need to be listening to the stereo, right? I mean, the sound of the motor is the music. So it just has enough. It has Apple Play, Android Play, so you can, you know, you can use your GPS and you can be safe and use technology. And but it still feels analog and raw. And the brakes are aftermarket. I think they're AP brakes. And the whole car is like Frankenstein together to me. You know, in, in my eyes, it's like you know a wonderful collaboration of the best out there. So it was super inspiring. And then the test is to really, you know allow my friends that are car enthusiasts that have driven many cars to you know to to be able to share this experience and it was not just about being in a cool car but to convert the idea of what an analog and what a lotus can be you know and i think shahar can speak on it because you know i think the second they had the car you know we were together so you know we got to you know he got to drive it around with me and be responsible but I want to hear what he, you have to hear what because he converted. You know what I mean? No, I, I fell in love with the car. I mean, it's a uh, for me. I'm I'm almost six two, and I was really comfortable in the car. Um, I I think a decade ago I, I was in uh, in Germany and I rented uh, a Lotus uh, Exige, and like Sam said, it was like a coffin. It was so small. I had to crawl out of the car. I could, there wasn't even one time that I could step out of the car. I always had to sit like a NASCAR on the chassis, take my, put my uh, my my legs inside and just uh, wiggle my my way in there. And to get out, it's like I'm crawling out. There's no other way. So the car was really really small. I remember driving with a friend and we were touching the whole the whole way, touching each other. Um, the car was great. It was fun, but it's not the Avora. The Avora. The first time I got into it, I was like, wow. I mean, I have so much space, so much head room, so much leg room. I could take uh, the seat all the way back. I was really impressed um, by the lightweight uh, carbon fiber seat with the Alcantara stitches on it. And it was a heated seat on top of that. That was, that was amazing. I was really impressed that with that small of a car, they fitted uh, another two seats in the back, even though it's like, you know, nobody can sit there. Um, but if I have if I have like kids or or, or you know chicks, uh, someone smaller, you can actually ride it, you know, and you have more space. Um, the actual car is really, uh, it's like you said, it's a race car, you know. It's like 
we're not fucking around over here. We're, we're, we're driving. That car is meant to be driven. We're, we're taking it to the canyon rides. We're taking it to the track. That's, that's the purpose of this car. Uh, but saying that, like Sam said, you have uh, some luxurious stuff like the, like the Alcantara uh, stitching all around, like a heated uh, seats, like the CarPlay audio, like every, everything you needed. So that, that, was, that was great. Um, I loved seeing a 2020 uh, car that would be stick shift when everything else these days would be automatic. I love that they did that. The, the shift knob, the, the position of the driving, the shift knob is exactly where it needs to be. You're like, it's like a perfect driver um, area. You know what I mean? Um, How about the handling? So you, I, I, on the other hand, I had an opportunity to drive it. He said, here's a key ticket for a spin. We were out, we were there, it was uh, mid-afternoon, and it was, the ground was wet. It's been raining for a couple of days. And I look around and I see the cop. I said, wow, this looks spacious. This is big. He goes, take a first spin. Here's a key. I said, no, I, I'm used to with, with American cars and being loud. I had, I actually, I missed out on that. I backed off and I said, no, you know, it really kind of scared me. You know, I goes, well, yep. this is, it's an expensive car. It looks like a race car. I, I really, I, I, the first thing I had was the, the image of coming to a stop sign, wet, the paint in the ground, and me spinning around. I said, no, I'm gonna let them, I'll let him be the, the, the guinea pig, you know? So, and he can tell you, they, they can tell you a lot more for the, for the spinning. I will take that opportunity next time, but I missed out on that one. The handling was, was great. The yeah. car, I was, I was getting to it, interior was awesome. The, the car, you put it in race mode, it opens up the, the exhaust a little bit so you can hear a better sound and uh, the car just, you feel that it's so lightweight, you feel that it's so well balanced with the engine in the back. You've, the car is flying. I mean, you're, you're cutting corners, you're, it, it's like the car, no matter what gear you're in, you're, you're pushing the, the gas pedal, it's, it's, it's going, you know, it, it has power in every gear. And we were talking about it, it's, it's so amazing what you, they can achieve from a 400 horsepower car. Right. Listen, listen, so listen Alex, for all the non-car people out there that don't care about all the horsepower and all the specifics, like I explained to Ken Gucci, he's a, for people who don't know who Ken Gucci is, our buddy who's a FD drifter champion. And I was hanging out with him and I said, Ken, you got to experience this Sephora. And he's like, man, you know, I don't know. And I said, basically, this car, let me explain what this car is. It's like, is if you're Japanese mom, right, that drives a Sienna to work every day, comes home to you, and her clothes are extra tight because she's been juicing on steroids. And she tells you, son, I'm gonna be entering the Miss Olympia. Oh, what do you think? 400 <laughs> supercharged right here, right? Sienna engine. That's what the Lotus Evora is. <laughs> That's how you explain it, ladies and gentlemen. It's a Sienna on a steroid. You don't know what a Lotus is, it does not matter. Imagine if your little Japanese mom came home and said, this Evora time. Evora time. Yeah, or racing bathing suit. Yeah. Going for, you know, going, yeah. Uh, 
I don't want to be. I, I think want, you're expecting to cry. Right? 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 It is. That's what it is. I don't, I don't want to think about that car with any relation of a Sienna. Why? Because I, I look at it. It's <laughs> awesome. It's the perfect color. It was yellow. What is Sienna? It looks like a supercar. Well, what does Sienna represent? It represents... Boring. No. no. It's a van. A family. You're so carist. Carist? <laughs> <laughs> You're a carist. We're Why judge? judge? You Why don't you look at... For some, Sienna is A race car and a minivan. A minivan is not sporty. To some. You know, so you're saying so I have four by four minivan on steroids. Is that, is that because, so do you not is that because I'm Jewish? Do you not because we have too many Because we have too many kids. You have one kid. You have one kid. What are you talking about? Yeah, I just started. Can, can you add this up? Can you add this up? Come on, man. He's making his own stereotypes. I need that on the It's a race car. I don't need a minivan. You can't seven people in there. Did you see what it did? He imposed a stereotype of his own people that I didn't even, wasn't even aware of. <laughs> what do you mean? Because I have a whole bunch of kids? You have one kid. What are you talking about? <laughs> if I'm in an Evora and I see a Sienna, I'm going to back up with my Evora to the Sienna, do a burnout on it, and then I'm going to drive away. But you're missing the point. What I'm saying he got it, yeah. What does Sienna and Camry <laughs> represent? It re represents reliability, dependability, right? The family. Yeah, yeah. And when you're in the Lotus, it's okay to be thinking about your mom because she's back there going, hey, so I got you, I'm here. But it's Evora time. <laughs> right? No. Yes. I don't want to be I'm in my Evora. What? You don't like your mom? We want to think. We think about our mom all the time yeah. because we're good people. Uh, <laughs> I think. I think what you're saying is, yes. is the car is a nice. Um, it's, it draws the line between dependability and reliability and being a supercar because it's got those. It's got the Camry engine. It's got the really simple reliable engine that's been proven to work for mums all over the country <laughs> and um and then it, they they mold it with the lotus exige it's almost like they kind of take the exige and take a camera and they go there you go that's a car that can do everything and because of that i think it acts as a nice stepping stone into that kind of uh, high performance in uh high performance genre of car because you know if you're if you're looking to get a high performance car you know, like you said, I think I think a lot of people would be quite scared of doing that. You know, you've got loads of power, rear-wheel drive, mid-engine makes it more snappy. You know, if you lose if you lose grip on those rear wheels, which you're more likely to do if you move the, you know, if you're moving the weight of the car about, someone who doesn't know to you know someone who doesn't react quick enough to counter steer or whatever, they could go into a tree. And so mm -hmm. I think what you're saying is that the Evora is this nice, happy in-between where people can ease themselves into it. And if they, if they have the talent, if they have the driving skill, they can really go for it as well. I don't know if you want, I don't think it's an entry-level car. Oh, I mean, it's definitely not an entry-level, no. Ease into it. I think, I think it's just, you know, you got to be at a place in your life where you're not trying to keep up with the Joneses or the Kims or, the, you know, um, and you 
still want an analog experience, but you want mm. to make sure you get home, right? And yeah. you don't want what we call in the street a little pimp juice. You know what I mean? <laughs> Do you call it that? <laughs> like the pimp juice rating of that car is a 10 because yeah. If people walk by, they do selfies all the time. They just, it's mesmerizing, right? So, a Sienna, I agree, doesn't have the pimp juice, but. You don't do a selfie when you see a Sienna? No, but but Sienna with pimp juice oh. is the Evora. Also, <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the fact that you, you, you have to have is that they are bringing the, the manual. I think the manual cars uh, accounts for about less than 2% that we have out there. Like for instance, I have a sticker on my car that says equipped with a millennial uh, theft device because it's a manual, right? I have two kids. I have a 20-year-old and 16-year-old kid that they had to learn with a stick first, just in case, because you never know. But now yeah. somebody that can actually, you know, uh, growing up and, and, and successful, they can get a car like that. They can actually see what people, what, what they've been missing out all along, which is feel the power, hear the engine, you know? Mm. So yeah, mm. I can't for that car because, you know, I, I wished out on it, but next time. Next I, time. Actually, that's not true. Oh, no. He's actually not allowed to drive cars. <laughs> oh. He's kind of invited. That's not really an invitation. It's like, hey. Anybody want to test drive a car? <laughs> well, they can have it. <laughs> Anybody? No, I drive a '69 Roadrunner 440 four speed, and it's usually making a lot of noise. Well, only on first gear, but it's always making a lot of noise and breaking some rules. How many? Did you say that the satellite sport is a Roadrunner? Yes. Oh, okay. The okay. satellite sport roadrunner, whatever. It's a it's a tribute to a roadrunner. That's not the it's reason. It's fast. It's big. It's loud. It's not just reason. like me. He's forgetting the reason why he's not allowed to drive. At least staying in my cars anymore. What happened to the first two cars you drove? <laughs> oh, one? it's all coming out. <laughs> so the first one was the yellow Porsche named Billy Bob. Billy Bob. Yeah. He has a 327 engine on it. He came in with Matt, and he's like, oh, you're the Mopar guy. I've got this car, you know. It's a V8 American car, you know, and a German. Okay, well, let's go for a spin. We trade keys. He got my car because my car comes with a mullet, you know, because usually a Mopar guy's – let's not go into much detail. We get on it. We leave his behind me. We're driving a block away from the shop. As we were coming to a stop sign, I was going to make a right in the area that we can actually open up on the road. Uh, a, 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 a boxer owner pulls up next to me, and I look over and go, this is my time. I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show off what a Porsche should look, sound like. I revved the engine. As I revved the engine, rah, the guy looked at me, and all of a sudden I look, all my windows are getting uh, fogged up. It, I, blew it, I blew it a hose on it. Like, I literally have it so hard that the, the water hose blew up, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. I, it's my first time driving his car, and I just broke it. Literally, I have a photo that I can send to you of us, me and him, and Anson pushing the car back, like literally pushing it back a block away from the car, okay? That was the first one, and then he, he thought my car was easy to drive. We'd go back. Second time, he comes with a 914, is it 914.6? Was that a 6? Just yeah. not 914, the gray car. Then you guys, I don't think anybody has seen it yet. We decided to go for a spin. He goes, oh, 
looking for a spin on this. I go, so we'll go cruise, go cruise. And, uh, you know, go through all the fourth gears. And he's like, oh, you should drive that. I go, no. Nah. And I go, no, nah, I'm good. I'm good. Just, he goes, drive it. No, okay, I'll drive. So he gets on and drives. We go around, go a couple blocks away. We turn around. He goes, no, you have to drive this. I go, okay. So I get on it. And I'm going first, second, third, fourth gear. Get to, you know, the fifth. And as I'm bringing it down, I we're talking. And we're not going that fast. What do we think of how fast we're going? I don't know. I don't want to get in trouble, but so let's let's go with sixty on on a, on a clean street, nice and smooth. I go to downshift to you know to down, downshift to third. I go the the the, the slot. It was the, the the stick was very sloppy. It went into second, so it went into second. Went to this full on full motion spinning around like you start going around because it was a lock the, lock the rear tires, lock the rear tires. they intercepted yeah. it was a thing that pulled in so i went to downshift so i have to stand on the brakes i don't know the brakes of that car and i would start gliding sideways like this into the stop sign and i'm looking over there was no time to correct or anything and we i did a basically i'm not a skater i'm a surfer but i did a 50 50 grind on the curb <laughs> and i came to a stop well, my mind was spinning. I'm like, oh my, it's going through like, you know how life just slows down? Yeah, mm-hmm. People say life flashes. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, what have I done? And it's, it, it was an awful feeling. And we got out of the car. We saw there was not that much damage. You know, that was just a, the little lip that got, that got a little lipstick. It became red, the color of the curb. And I was shaking. I was shaking. I said, oh, wow, this is, cannot be done. You know, it was a good learning um situation for both of us like you know getting in a car that you just bought it and trying to take it to the max i wasn't even trying to take it to the max but i didn't know the car you know um mm-hmm. i should have just doing the changing the gear slow down use the brakes and it also was a good teaching moment for him too, to just like handing the car to somebody that you don't know he knew me but he, we never been in a car fast you know I and mean, maybe you were on my truck you know cruising mm-hmm. around in a diesel that's different than a little rocket you know so yeah, yeah. and that's the joke apart and and, uh, and he's nice enough always like sending the here's the keys you should take it for a spin i just took a step back and i go okay let's slow this down and i also don't want to ruin anybody's baby you know it's like i feel like when i'm back to this car i feel like i'm t- i'm bringing your your baby newborn from the hospital Meaning, like, I want to in one piece, the same it is, the same way you hand it to me. But it's it, it's it's just too much responsibility. So that's that's so far, and that's it. That's what happened. That's the, the joke of the key. On the yellow car, he goes, here's the key. And I go, oh, I'm not so sure. He goes, oh, that's right. Give it back to me. I'm not letting you. <laughs> you literally say that. You know, I'm not making anything up. You just, no, not you. I go, that's not <laughs> you know? But that's... I'm a bit of a grinder when it comes to cars. A bit of a grinder. <laughs> a bit of a grinder, yeah. I've yeah. been known to destroy things, yeah. yeah. So. Song and Jaha, have you had any bad, have you had any, any bad accidents? Uh, Me? With, with other people? Yeah, uh, just I, all I, of you. Have you, have you. I drove a Fox wagon, almost off the cliff in San Francisco, but that was it. That was it, yeah. Got stuck. The, the the berm stopped me, but no bad accident. No records. No tickets. No none of that. Yeah. Yeah. So no bad accidents now. 
That's good. That's good. Yeah. I've had I've had one where I aquaplaned an MX5 into the side barrier, but that, it, that was fine. I just kind of you know bounced off. What about yeah. what about no. Sung Shahar? Have you had any bad ones? Brilliant. Fortunately, I've never been in an accident in my life. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're asking about which country? <laughs> Basically, what he's saying that either of us are gonna ride with him ever. No, no, no. When, when I was uh, when I was younger and my uh, I got my license, uh, the day I got my license, my dad took the license away from me and, and told me the fact that you got a license means nothing to me. I'm sending you to like a like a race driving uh, school for for a few days, and, and it's like you're gonna learn then, and then I'm gonna teach you. And the way he taught me is we were we would drive to like far places, like four hours of a drive, three hours of a drive, and we would drive through canyons and all that kind of stuff. So my first learning curve were was a little bit different. You know, it would take me to to a parking lot, and he would say. Oh, just just drive and, and and bring it up to uh, 40 miles per hour, and uh, and and then I would drive and he would pull the e-brake on me. Okay, that's like my first days of of driving. So he's like, the fact that you got your driver license doesn't mean shit. You need to understand what's gonna happen if you lose the rear end or something like that. So from very early stages, I was. I was tracking cars, uh, I was going to Kenyan rides and all that. So the actual first things I, I've learned is how to uh, lose a car, how to, the, like he wanted to get that fear out of me. Yeah. So I, I feel like I've been, I've been lucky enough in situations in life when I did push cars farther than I should and I was able to get myself out of the situation with the counter steering, uh, and all that kind of stuff. And I track a lot and I try to learn as much as I can. If I go to a track, even though I've been to a fair share of track days, every time I go to a track, I, I, before I go into my first lap, I would ask, hey, is there an instructor over here? Would you come with me? I, I'll pay you. Just teach me the track and give me some pointers before I, I go on. Um, so I didn't have any major uh, accidents, God bless. Uh, and yeah, I just try to to fill the car, any any car I've been given, uh, to fill the car for the first few minutes, you know, just kind of get a sense and before I even try to go faster. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. On that note, I've um, I've been seeing that you guys are using the student driver stickers. What's that about? Well, student driver is a, a ethos that we came up with being a student, no matter where you are and how much you think you know, or you know how you know how much you you you've uh, excelled in your particular field, if you will, you know, so it came. Yeah, it, it the idea came up. It came into my mind when I was like driving down the freeway, and I saw you know the student driver sticker in the U.S. It's what the uh, drivers' ed schools put on their student. Yeah, Right, just to warn the cars, you know, behind them that there's a student driver that might be going slowly or, um, or whatnot. And and as a joke, I ordered one and 
you know, and I had these magnets, and then <laughs> we were working on that 914, the, the one with the small block 327, at WR Technica in my friend's garage. Um, there was a group of us uh, there and just kind of hanging out, talking about the car, and somebody slapped that, you know, magnet on, on, on Billy Bob. And then Will walked by. Will is probably the best driver out of all of us, you know, and uh, very accomplished uh, track driver. And um, he walked by and he goes, yeah, I, I love that, man. You know, because I'm a student. I could be a student for the rest of my life. And then it occurred. I was like, oh, that's really cool. If we can make this the student driver, you know, and, and use the irony of it, right, and make fun of it. Um, and then make a cool design. Maybe we could find people with like minds that have that ethos. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, the way I look at it is like when you go to any new group, any new car meet or track day, if you're the new kid, you know, you don't, and you don't know much, you might have a lot of inhibition and you feel like maybe you don't belong there. But if there's a group of people that live by this ethos is that no matter how good we are, man, like we're all students and we welcome other, other students as long as you keep your mind open and your heart open. We're willing to share because we can always get better. We can always learn. So mm -hmm. that's something that my friend Daniel Wu, um, actor and car builder that I know he lives by. And then we have a friend, Brendan McGrath uh, from Dime, who, um, also lives by the ethos of the three of us created this thing called student driver and you know we just kind of launched it to see if like all right does the world need something like this right now because you know I go back to you know the version of me before I was an actor in Fast and Furious or you know I had access to like the car community that I do now but I think about the high school version of me the guy with nothing and no knowledge and if I want to get into a community, you know, it's a little intimidating when you go to yeah. a car meet all these experts and all these dope cars, like, where do you fit in? But, you know, if we can create an environment where, no, it doesn't matter what you have and material-wise or the value of your car, and you don't even have to know that much, as long as you have a willingness to learn, come on. And, you know, that's what it's about. So, yeah, that's what student drivers he yeah, slapped like stickers. He slapped those stickers in all his friends' cars. Like in my truck, I'm like, what is that? My red car, for instance, which is, I think it's really cool because it gives people, it makes, it will make, a pe make people laugh. Like, you know, for instance, I was getting, I was in line to In-N-Out, a burger joint in, in the U.S. I was in line at In-N-Out and I see, I'm sitting in an island, it's taken for a while, you know, and my car smelled, right? My car's from 1969. And I see this lady and she's on a Honda CRV. She rolls down her window and her head's up. And I'm looking through my little mirror. I can, I can see that she kind of wants to get my attention. I'm like, man, she's probably gonna yell at me because I'm smoking her out. I pull up a little further. As soon as she can open the door, she walks out and I'm going, oh no, she's gonna cut. She's coming up to me. She goes, excuse me, sir. And I go, I look back and go, yes. She goes, I love this sticker in the back of your car. And I have a, a different sticker on, on, on the back that kind of makes fun of a Prius because, you know, uh, uh, being a dirt, you know, dirty car. Like they, you know, U.S., we have the carpool lane access for carpool, clean air car. And my car says access denied dirty car. Right? <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, my God, did she read about that? And then I go, oh, the student driver, she goes, yes, I love it. We're always learning, right? And I said, 
yes, that's what it's about. You know, it's about, you know, still learning. And, you know, it's kind of funny to be in the back of a muscle car, but he slaps on everything and it's funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, my, you know, my way of thinking is, like with my job, I, I, you know, my kind of almost day job is reviewing cars. So I get, you know, fast cars. The last car I got was a, a Bentley Continental GT, which it was just incredible. But, you know, my friends say, so why do you want to drive the Toyota Rigo? And I'm like, because I've never driven one before. You know, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's, it's like, you know, you don't always have to go for the fun, the, the fast stuff. And you've got these cool little tiny cars that aren't very powerful, but you can still learn a lot from them. And I think, you know, the differentiation between people having to have a powerful car or having to have a fast car compared to people just having the car they love, I think that's really good to emphasize. And you were saying, because we were talking about the Lotus song, you were saying that, you know, you've had, uh, you've been building these, your cars for a long time, and then you drove the Lotus, and that's kind of changed your way of thinking about, you know, what you're going to do with your cars in the future. T tell me about that. Exactly. You know, the, when, you, when you're around masters of their craft, you know, it's two roads you can take. One is ego, and, you know, and you deny that. Um, and you deny that genius or the other is humility and you raise your arms and you go, wow, you know, they know way more. They're way far advanced than me and they've created a masterpiece. And when you drive the Evora, it's everything that I think is right. Like what a uh, vintage car can be, right? But I'm not there yet. Like, but I, it gives me hope because yes, there's pr proprietary Lotus, you know, elements to the car, but Overall, to me, I still see the hope because it's it's a Frankenstein aftermarket car, and I go, wow, if mm -hmm. they can do this, it's possible, right? And it's taken the idea and the concept of what an analog car can be, and then trying to apply it to this vintage world. It's like, I, it's exciting, you know, because it gave me a reference point. Because before I would drive, you know, I, I wouldn't call them you know low hanging fruit, but the cars that were the dominant like builds of their era with the Robella motors and the Makuni carburetors and you know the suspension on on the 240s have been you know there's ceilings that have been hit innovation has been hit you know captains yeah. and sure. they're great right but I still you know believe that you know this idea of the the restomod plus right or the vintage plus this plus thing is what I'm really into these days is like take the beautiful elements of the vintage era but yet you know we're modern people we need these creature comforts not because it's just for comfort sake but it's also safety man you know it's like I need to get home you know I need really? to be make sure that I get home to my wife or to my friends so I can continue this hobby. And I feel like the Evora still feels like, like a very safe car. It feels like I can control it, you know? And I feel like if I can find that and use that as inspiration as a base, then, um, you know, where I can go with these 240 builds in the future, it feels it's, it's you know, in a good direction, if you yeah. will. Yeah, so was it more like the fact that it had you know it was really comfortable or was it more the fact that the suspension just felt you know like you know with with these mid-engine cars and these modern suspension uh layouts you can get better geometry you know you can have you can get geometry that, that these classic cars can't 
get to. Is it that that you were that you were lusting after on the Figuzi, or was it like um, was it comfort or no? Definitely the suspension, um, brakes, right? Yeah. The you, you feel? Yeah, the rigidity. Drove it in there during the rain, and I asked him, like, you know, it was pouring rain when he drove it. He can want it, it can bounce, but he says, I drove it, if I felt like it wasn't raining. Yeah, 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 because I mean, uh, the Fakuzi hasn't, I take it, it hasn't got like an ECU where you can turn down the power, or you know, has it even got traction control? Well, well no, no, we don't have traction control, of course. Not. Yeah. No, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, have you, have you seen um, Ken Block's Hoonicorn? That gorgeous mustang that because yeah, yeah. i mean that's that's what i'm that's what i'm thinking when you're telling me you know all about the how you kind of want that suspension uh, obviously the hoonicorn's like a stripped out race car so it hasn't got airbags and it hasn't got all these um these safety features but would you think would you want to go down that route with with Fakuzi? bearing in mind that you know keeping the air well no airbags obviously but you know keeping seat belts and crumple zones but you know would you want to go down that route where you have like a completely custom suspension i mean that's the the, the eventual goal i don't know uh, i'm not i haven't even started the classes on suspension you oh, know it's ridiculous so, yeah yeah i mean yeah. there's there's the 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 techno toy suspension that most 240 uh, rebuilders use and that's what i have in the fuguzi right yeah. um but it, I don't know what their innovation is. I know that there is another company. I'm not allowed to say now, but we, it's a pretty big company that's working on a black label 240 suspension, right? Okay. With 240 builder that's an expert on these cars. So, you know, I I know that the 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 um, the real estate or you know that the, there's been people that have already innovated in that in that area, right? So, I actually haven't driven the Fuguzi in a long time until it gets onto the road. I have no, no point of reference. I have no comparison yet. Sure. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's probably been about four years since I've driven the car. You know, it's, really four years. Yeah. Damn. Probably four and a half years that it's not been on the road, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so the suspension is dated. It's older techno toys. I don't know where they are today. So I'm looking forward once the car is, you know, moving, then we're going to attack the suspension to start learning and start catering it to what I feel like is now the reference point is the Lotus. You know what I mean, yeah, so yeah, sure. I, I don't know if it, what your experience in 240s are, but you know, the stock suspension is pretty solid, it's very comfortable. But when you put that horsepower in there, it changes everything, right? So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've never driven a 240 with an RB26 turbo, you know, mm. it, I went from an L24 to for one day and it went straight into the album 26 natural aspirated. And that was my experience, right? So it was always unbalanced. And now that I have experiences with stock and even automatic, uh, you know, 240Zs with a, just a stock L24, I can yeah. see the, the, not deficiencies, I can see the desire to up things and, you know, up the ante and, and innovate and make it better, right? So then I can become a student of the people that have been doing and messing with the 240 since the 70s and 80s and 90s, so you you have to go study people like the Robello. You have to go yeah. study, people, right? So I've been fortunate that now I have this access to come into the community, like absorb this knowledge, and hopefully it evolves into 
you know, the same visceral driving experience as a, I call it a complete well-sorted car like the Lotus Evora, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. if you haven't driven the car, it's very hard to explain. It's, yeah. it's like a, as a lover of cars and also a person that has a little prejudice against supercars, I don't want to be that guy that's just associated to, you know, all these hypercars because of the value yeah. of it. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. you know, so I, I have a little resistance to even engage into that, right? Or to represent that. But when you drive that car, it's complete. You know, it's like, I don't mind going to the grocery store in it. I don't mind taking my wife in it. I don't mind like hanging out with my friends. I don't, I can go to the track with it, go to the canyons. And it doesn't feel like, also it doesn't feel pretentious because mm -hmm. I can behind the car i go look at it it's look at these aftermarket pieces look at the camera engine how can you be pretentious when you're using a camera engine come on yeah. right yeah, yeah. yeah i feel like it's it's just a wonderful select celebration of what can be right you know in a car. yeah just do everything yeah, yeah. that car anything you can do in a regular car opposed to another supercar that would not have uh, the storage space would not have a back seat, would not have a bunch of other stuff, uh, and be more like luxurious. This, uh, Evora, you can, like Sun said, you can take it to go groceries, you can take it with your wife and your dog in the back or your kids or whatever, and you can just enjoy it. You can do everything with that car, especially and, driving. And, you know, the thing is, you know, I'm not, I'm not so into technical specs and all it's really the spirit like when you meet a car you know you can tell the calculation of the agenda from the people that built it right i don't and maybe it's just you know maybe it's the artistic loony in me but i have to have a connection with you know especially a vehicle because i feel like yeah. it's the intention of who you are and you know, the Definitely. spirit yeah. it's your mood and it's your expression it's all of it right and when i met the horror for the first time i was like Man, you could tell. You know, there was love and and thought and humility put into it. And I mean, it was, mm -hmm. it's, that's why I keep saying it's like I'm so into collaboration. And and when you look at that car, you go, you know, if they didn't have that mindset, this car would have never existed. You know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. sure. The car has presence too. When I first saw it, it was like it, it was speaking to you. It, it was it was saying fast sexy you know i sent a picture to my son said look at this i mean this this thing just fascinating and it, it's not a small impression impression because it looks big it's a large car like you know from what i'm uh, uh, used to seeing on, on fast cars i'm like wow there's a lot of it now the liability the comfort and the driving i have to take their word for it <laughs> <laughs> no I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how how that affects what you do with the faguzi I'm really excited to see that. Um, with the turbo kit, just quickly, the turbos that are going on the Fuguzi, have you got like a, a power, uh, a, a kind of, a, you know, a figure that you want to reach? Do you know what kind of power you're looking at getting? I, I'm, I'm really resistant on going high horsepower because I don't, I'm not comfortable with that, you know, and it's, it's, I, I'm kind of debating with, not debating, but going back and forth with friends because, of course, the RB26 is capable of high horsepower. And everybody yeah, right. likes the idea of it, right? To celebrate that. But look, I'm not a I'm not an experienced driver, and I want to drive the yeah. Fuguzi. Also, I want to be able to give the keys to my friends, right? And when yeah. someone says, 
well, 500 horsepower is great. And I go, for you, maybe, but I'm comfortable with 250. Well, I think 250, I think that car, even after after 300, what are you going to do? It's only, it's... It's a, it's a light car. <laughs> right? So, and without the skill set, like, it's one yeah. thing if you're talking to Ken Block and you go, hey, Ken, we're going to build a 240Z and, you know, I can have a million horsepower, fine, but... I'm not that guy, man, you know? And you, yeah. you can do a Dodge, a red key and a black key. So when you drive the car, you take the black key. It's yes. only like 200 horsepower low boost. And when you give me the red key, you have <laughs> horsepower high boost. Then I would have a yellow key for 100 horsepower for me, probably. And then you would have a yellow key. Even then. But what he has, what he's saying, it's, 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 anybody can build it. You, know, you can get an engine. You can max it. But you know, unless uh, it's just, just the a track, you know, it's the it's. I think it's the whole package. Yeah, it's a yeah definitely. Yeah. Want to give a you know not just for giving a key to a friend for himself as well. You know, like, we wanted to be able to enjoy it yeah. and not scare the living out of him. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Be, safe, be safe, not just for him, not just for me, but the people around him. Yeah, because you can't be on a fast car that's out of control. Mm-hmm. You can hurt mm-hmm. a lot of people. You know, yeah, definitely, yeah. I think that I think maybe what, you know the, the great thing about that engine is that it has potential to keep going up. You can keep pushing it. Mm-hmm. So, what I'm the reason I'm even you know Kenji and I even discussed the Fuguzi too was because the whole motive or the, the ethos of the Fuguzi was to take it on the track to have a fun track that I could share with my friends. Purely yeah. that I didn't want it to be a show car or. You know, garage screen or you know, in the cover magazine, I didn't want that, but it became yeah. and I accepted it. it. It represented, became a spokesperson for, I think, something that was needed in the culture and the community at that time to you know reignite this excitement, right? And I go, yeah. great, I, I, I'll accept that and and be okay using the Fuguzi as an ambassador in that way. But now, after about six, seven years now, it's like. So much innovation has happened and it's exciting. Like what I knew when we did the Fuguzi, like like I'm I don't know much. Like I would say, you know, in a in in a martial arts, you know, bell level, I'm like a white bell with maybe a stripe right now, right? Before, you know, I didn't even have a uniform on. I was just a spectator, you know? And yeah, yeah. and so I kinda know what I want now, you know, like I know that I don't want whole bunch of horsepower i don't i can't control it and i won't want to drive it i want something that is well balanced like i don't i want a show car i want safety like safety is priority reliability and also and then dependability man i don't want to be on the side of the road right so it's going to take a little longer to sort out that's why we're being kind of you know discreet about really what this engine is about and i can't really go into it but i think when it it's it releases people will understand what we were trying to do right and okay. is that thing is it's safety reliability and dependability it's like and how can you put that into a resto mod especially like a 50 year old car so yeah, it's kind sure. of challenging but i think we can do it you know and like i said i want to be able to give the car to my sister and feel that if she takes the car for a drive, she's going to be able to come back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so definitely. That, definitely. Yeah, I, I mean, I, yeah. Go ahead. I've been, um, I've been watching what you've been posting to Instagram, and and I completely agree. It's, it's nice to have that car that, 
is very capable, but not beyond its own chassis. You know, I, I like the fact you've gone for twin turbos instead of a big single turbo. You know, it just gives it that kind of, you know, more linear power is less stress on the engine, less stress on the driver. And it's not a drag car, you know, it's, um, yeah, it's it's more like, it's more artistry. You know, I've seen the um, the Seiko clocks, the stop, yeah. those look incredible. So what are you doing, what are you doing with them? So Seiko, that, that rally clock idea was inspired by the East African Safari uh, 240s from the late 70s, the late, late 70s. And the Porsche guys have their Tag Heuer uh, rally cluster, right? And yeah. those, those, I think it's the Monte Carlo edition, beautiful pieces of art. And, you know, the Porsche guys, you know, the Air Cool guys elevate their builds. They treat it like pieces of art, right? And I love that. And... I think we're at a place with the S30 that this this new audience and demographic, they're very passionate. They're willing to spend money, the right money on the right, you know, products on their car. And I feel yeah. like this rally cluster was not available for us, you know, and to put a tag in there, it, it's it, it's it feels a little forced, you know? And yeah. yeah. And Seiko being Japanese, I was like, oh that that's wonderful. That's, and, yeah. I had it on my bucket list. Like one day, I would love to create something like that. And and then um, Nick from DCW Vintage Watches in California, he reached out to me because he deals in vintage Seikos, and he had um, a watch that he wanted to you know talk to me about because they wanted to promote like you know the the, the vintage era of this specific Seiko. And I said, you know, I'm not a, a, I'm not a guy that wears watches. I'm not a collector. But I want to talk to you about the Seiko. Have you ever heard about Seiko being one of the sponsors for the East African Rally Datsun team, right? And and he goes, yeah, I heard about that. And he goes, yeah, I have some pictures. Like, I always wanted to do that too. So I said, can we source those stopwatches? So his connect in Japan got us a set of 10, right? So we flew into LA and... Uh, we just started playing with the plate. And, and what's exciting is a couple of weeks prior, I had the opportunity to go meet uh, Takasan from Kusha House um, and John Williams. And Kusha House is um, uh, uh, basically, you know, Taka runs Kusha House. He's the guy. And he uh, is a master and an artisan of the Makuni carburetors, right? So the work that he puts into this is, is high level, man. It's it's like chef's table stuff. And it's inspiring being around some guy that is so singular in their passion. And to resurrect these old Makuni carburetors in the way he does is, is, is you know, it, I, I can only, you know, respect somebody that has that type of, like, discipline. And then John Williams... Is a gentleman from the 70s and 80s that was racing 240s, so he's a is a master machinist, and you know he's been creating parts for the 240, you know, since the 70s, right? So it's funny that most of his parts have been black labeled, but you know, no one really knows who John William is unless you're the guy that bought it from him, right? So he's been kind of you know discarded and kind of not really prevalent in history, and he's such a big part of 240 history, and we need to create the, the back plate for the, the stopwatches. And so you, I need masters, man. Like, you know, next yeah. to you know, I mean, I don't, I'm not a machinist. So I thought what a great opportunity if like we could all collaborate and create a piece of art that 
we can create you know, a few limited pieces, right, to you know, S30 owners that want to take their build to the next level, right? And also have a collector items that celebrate John Williams because when he leaves, I want a memory of what he represents to me and what kind of man he is. And also Kusha House, like, I want to be able to look at that and go, yeah, man, I have to keep elevating, keep growing. Like, you have to, you know, you, it's, you can always, always elevate your game, right? And just like that, right? So, and then the, the, the Vincent Seiko, celebrating that enthusiasm and, you know, that love for history, right? Yeah, so yeah. that is the, the Seiko S30 rally clock project right now. No. <laughs> no, <it's laughs> not, I think there's always been this, like, there's just been the, like this kind of connection between watches and cars. Like people who seem to love cars seem to have this love for watches. Usually, you know, they seem to have this love for watches. And it's the same with me. Like I, I love watches, not that I can afford them, but I love watches. And I think it's, it's almost like, it's like an engine on your wrist. You know, I don't know how it works. It's like witchcraft to me. And I don't know how a watch works either. And there's just like that kind of mechanical, I don't know, thing about watches that a lot of, a lot of us car guys really like. Um, but anyway, I won't, I won't go on for much longer, uh, because we've, we've, we've taken an hour of your time and I know you're not doing much, <laughs> but thank you so much for, for joining us again on the Sung's Garage podcast. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about? Is there anything else we've missed? Uh, I don't know. We should, we should just talk again tomorrow. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, sounds good to me cool yeah. but yeah thanks thanks all three of you for giving me your time and it's been great um if you want to go over to sungsgarage.com to learn more about all the projects these these guys are doing fast and furious cars clocks on cars all sorts of stuff uh go over there uh find us on all the big podcast providers i haven't got the list with me at the moment so you're just gonna have to go and google it <laughs> but we're there so take a listen um Best of luck at McLaren. I'm really excited to see what comes out of that. Thanks, guys. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Cool. Uh, oh, actually, before we go, before we go, is there any, uh, like your, your Instagram accounts? Do you want to plug anything? Oh, yeah. Viper guy. Do it. Do it. JC Locatelli. I'm Shahar, the Vipers guy. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't created a grinder yet, so. Okay, that will come. Time, yeah. It's still time. <laughs> yeah, you've got lockdown. <laughs> oh, thanks, guys. It's been great. It's been great talking with you again. I've really enjoyed it. Likewise, yeah. Nice meeting you. All right. See you later. <laughs>